0: When I ask what's the most important thing, people say, you know, usually family, God, whatever is the most important thing to them. Then I just say, okay, I want you to empty all your air, blow it all out. Right. And then hold and don't breathe again.
1: Probably demonstrates a pretty good point. Lots of people are talking about breathing these days, and for good reason. Breathing is obviously important for overall health and well-being, but when used pre-workout or in the reset section of our sessions, breathing activities can be used to optimize your alignment, unlock your mobility, and improve your athleticism. But here's what's really cool. That's looking at things from purely a biomechanical perspective. What happens when we take those same principles and apply them to our physiology? Now we've got not only a new lens to look at breathing through, but also a tool we can use to take our conditioning and performance to all new heights. But don't take it from me, Brian Kozak feels the same way, and that's why he's gone to such great lengths to understand the benefits that proper breathing can have on your performance. Brian believes you are the most sophisticated technology on the planet. So where is your owner's manual? This is the ever evolving idea he seeks. Under the mentorship of Jurg Feldman, he spent over a decade playing with leading-edge technology to figure out what works. The ultimate goal is to see in real time the rate limiters and compensators in each system of your body. Along the way, he spent three years in India studying Hatha Yoga and has recently joined forces with Aaron Davis and Pat Patrick Estes of Evolve Health and Performance in Austin, Texas. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, breathing is something I've been talking about for well over a decade now, and I can honestly say that it's something I plan into every section of my workouts. So today, Brian and I are going to take a deep dive into all things breathing. For starters, we're going to discuss various tests and assessments that you can use to determine how efficiently someone is breathing. From there, we'll talk about various training strategies you can use to improve your breathing and to ensure it's no longer a rate limiter to your performance. And last but not least, we're going to talk about buy-in and give you some ideas as to how you can get everyone on board with this idea of optimizing their breathing. Brian has some amazing stories and anecdotes along the way, and he's so incredibly thorough in his work. I really think you're going to love this show. Now before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to give you a quick recap of the week that was and what's new in my neck of the woods. So as I mentioned last week, the kids' sports are in full effect. Most notably right now is Cade's baseball. Kendall's had a lot of practices. She has her first tournament this weekend. But Cade's baseball is really taking priority. He's got, you know, a Wednesday practice and double headers on Sunday. And it's been really fun because we've been trying to get out there every day, work on throwing, work on hitting, working on our catching. And I mean, just in a couple weeks, he's really started to get better. And as you might recall, last year he hit it pretty well, but a big level up this year because he's going from coach pitch to kid pitch and you know this weekend again he hit it really well i think he was three of four got another hit off of a kid so it's been really fun to watch and i can't wait to see how he continues to evolve over the next six months to a year i was talking to uh, another dad that i know quite well yesterday and he said man this is a fun time because these kids really start to level up over the next six to 12 months so excited to watch that uh, something new that I've been doing with the kids when the weather is not agreeable, whether it's too hot or it's raining, we've been going to this place across town called Laser Flash. So we've been playing laser tag. They absolutely love that. Uh, unfortunately, one of the rounds we played last time, it was just the three of us. So it was like 1v1v1, V1, which I think Kendall enjoyed. I'm not sure Kay did. But then the second time, I bet there were 40 people in this room. And out of all 40 of them, Cade had the best score out of all of them. And we're talking like, you know, little, little kids, teenagers, grown adults that had kids. Number one out of all of them. So he was pretty pumped about that. So laser tag's been fun. Uh, Last week was my last week for a couple of my basketball guys. Uh, Micah is off uh, to his new home. I'll let him announce that when the time is right. And then it was actually my last day for Ed. Man, that was really like bittersweet, surreal. There was just a lot of mixed emotions there because, man, Ed and I have been through so much. And I kind of put it out there on Instagram. When he got injured last year, that really shook me because in 21 years at that point in time, I'd never had an athlete suffer a major injury like that. And I know that's a little bit of luck in there, probably a lot of luck in there, if we're being honest. But I mean, no ACLs, No crazy shoulder stuff, you know, no Tommy Johns for the baseball guys, like really, like really lucky. And for him to go down with an Achilles, especially the timing of it, man, he was primed for such a great year. Uh, So just seeing him come in every day, continue to work, continue to grind, and just, just continue to be a professional. I mean, I don't know if I can say anything more about Ed other than he's a professional, but I will tell you this little anecdote uh, just because I think it kind of summarizes who Ed is. So last September, you know, he was talking about, man, I feel great. You know, body feels amazing. My knees feel the best they've ever felt. I'm bouncy. And I mean, he's sending me videos of him doing these crazy dunks in the gym. So when he went to open gym that day, you know, I thought, Oh, no big deal. You know, like he's going to go, and he's going to do a workout with Rick Carlisle. So that's awesome. And he's going to get on the court. And so when I got the text from him at three, three thirty in the afternoon, You know, I just saw, oh, yeah, you know, good session. And he texts me and he says, hey, I just wanted you to hear it from me before it comes out on social media. But I tore my Achilles. So it it meant a lot because I could have found out, you know, through Twitter or through Instagram. I mean, the beat reporters were on it so quickly. So for him to think about me and to put my feelings, you know, just at the forefront of his thoughts like that really meant a lot to me. Uh, And the fact that we got through this together, man, I I, I can't take credit for where he's at. But man, we went through some battles this last year. And so I can't wait to watch him go out there for Brooklyn this year. I really think he's going to have a great year. I mean, he's just in such good condition. He's worked so hard. And man, I hate to say people deserve it because there's not a lot in life you really deserve. But if anybody deserves to be rewarded for their hard work and their belief in themselves, it's Ed Sumner. So... Man, just really excited for the season and excited to watch him play. So that's that. Complete Coach Seminar, if you missed this, is coming up November 4th, 5th, and 6th in West Hartford, uh, Connecticut. I'll make sure I put the link in the show notes if you're interested in attending. I think it's going to be an amazing weekend. And then, yeah, the thing I'm looking forward to, I think, most this upcoming weekend is Kendall's first soccer tournament. So they've been practicing for three or four weeks now. They see the same girls. They scrimmage the same girls. They haven't had a friendly yet. And I was talking to Kendall. She's just so excited to get out there, play a real game. I think they play at least three, maybe four games. Uh, If they advance to like the finals, they'll play a fourth game. But she's just so excited to go out there and play. She's playing a new position right now. She's getting tried out kind of at striker versus winger. So she's very excited about that. And I'm just excited as a parent to watch her go out there and play because She's really gotten a lot better. She's put in a lot of time, a lot of effort. Just like Cade, we've gone on our off days and tried to get outside and just get on the ball and work on some areas that we think she's deficient in or where she can get a little bit better. And yeah, she's just fired up to play. So I will definitely, definitely be updating you on that after this weekend. So yeah, man, that's what's new in my neck of the woods. As always, I hope you're having a great week. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy. Brian Kozak. Today's episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by ExerFly. If you're unfamiliar with flywheel training, it's a method of strength training where your athletes generate resistance by using the inertia of a flywheel instead of traditional gravity-based resistance training. By accelerating and then decelerating a disc, your athletes generate resistance at all phases of the movement. This allows for high force training as well as eccentric overloading without the need for crazy heavy weights. I first got interested in flywheel training because I wanted my athletes to be better prepared for sport. Standard free weight training is great for the early preparatory phases, but I wanted something that could improve the rate of force development in both the concentric and eccentric phases of the lift. Most importantly, I wanted to make sure my athletes were prepared for those eccentric forces that they'll encounter in sports. And with their motorized technology, the ExerFly allows you to increase the eccentric phase of the lift from anywhere from 1 up to 80%. The biggest objection I had early on was learning a new piece of tech or equipment. After all, sometimes these things sound great, but really aren't all that functional or they take forever to figure out. But luckily, if you take the time to watch a few short videos and experiment a little bit, you'll be using the ExerFly like a pro in no time. Setup is quick and easy, and my athletes are absolutely loving it. Last but not least, there are tons of different exercises and variations you can use as well. Whether we're talking squats, hinges, presses, split squats, if you can think of it, chances are you can figure out a way to do it with the ExerFly. The really cool thing is ExerFly is used by numerous teams in the NFL, NBA, over 50% of the English Premier League, and numerous Olympic developmental programs as well. Now, as a small business owner, I normally think, hey, this is way outside of my budget. I can't afford it because we all know in a small business, every penny counts. But Exerfly has you covered there as well. They offer 36-month interest-free financing so you can get started ASAP with your training and pay as you go. And when you factor in a 30-day money-back guarantee, two-year warranty, and free shipping, I really believe this is a solid investment. Look, the bottom line is this. If I don't really love something, I'm not going to promote it on my show. I love my ExerFly, the results I'm getting with it, and I think you will as well. To learn more, head over to exerfly.com so you can start building some savage athletic beasts in your gym. Again, that's exerfly.com. Brian, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on and chat a little bit. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself?
0: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on Mike. It's uh always a pleasure to share ideas with other knowledgeable people that have been in the business and I've done some research on you too, so <laughs> I'm going to have some questions <laughs> later on. Uh, love it. Whenever I whenever I go into stuff like this, I want to make sure what I'm getting into. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Andrew had high words for you, so um, and then when I did the research on you, it, it was awesome stuff, Very so cool. whatever you're doing, you know, what you're doing, keep it up.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: And for the opportunity for me here, um, I've been in this business, well, I'm 56 years old. So if you can just imagine way back when <laughs> there wasn't guys, there wasn't guys like you, you know, it was right. a small house that was turned into a gym in a firefighter's backyard. Yeah. That's where we started lifting. It was power lifters. It was bodybuilding, you know, and we were just searching for stuff. Yeah. And me being one of those kids that couldn't sit still, uh, you know, they probably would have put me on drugs nowadays, but back then was just get outside and work out and right. do stuff, right? Right. It wasn't an option to to take something else. Right? Yeah, I'd exactly. Just get out there and do stuff. So I just loved the gym stuff and hung out there, and but I made a ton of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like I was a small guy. My my sport back then was hockey. So I was a small guy and I was lifting super heavy. My coordination went out the window. But you learn, right? Right. <laughs> it, 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 it kinda messes up your hockey, but I learned. Yep. So from there, from there, um, then I started taking courses as I started getting higher in school and university and just fell in love with it. So that's kind of my how I got into the sport and how i've been living life but it's switched so much these last 10 years as you know
1: yeah yeah so man honestly what i would love to hear and something that i love for the listeners to hear because like you said you've been doing this 30 some years now right yeah. i'd imagine that's been a pretty long and winding course so would you mind kind of just giving us kind of that career arc like where did you start mm what were you doing? And then like maybe a couple stops along the way and, and then tell us what you do nowadays. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: so just to carry on from that, um, a friend of mine, he was a first rounder at NHL, had a small career. Um, back then he was a tough guy. I know it's mm-hmm. out of the game now pretty much, but back then each team had a few tough guys and even a few tough lines. The game of hockey was way different back then. It's so beautiful now. Um, and he wanted to get one or two athletes and train them. So I've been taking courses, you know, and and I was playing university hockey at the time. So we were going to get two players. That was the idea. And, okay. and train them, right? Because we had both ideas. But what we did the summer before was he did my training program and I did his.
1: Mm.
0: So that way like we that. could, you know, that's, that's the way it was, right? You got to figure it out, what works, what doesn't, throw it out, add stuff, what works, keep it. So then... Just before that, something happened personal in his life, and he couldn't follow through. But we already put the ad out to for a couple athletes. We're in a small town, about 16,000 people. 30 kids showed up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. And it was just me. Yeah. It was just me, right? Yeah. No gym. No gym. I'm just on a field. Yeah. Uh, I, I was working. like The gym I used, it was way too small, especially for 30 athletes, right? Mm-hmm. But that's how I really got into it. And those athletes, they were, there there's a lot of very talented athletes, mostly hockey players. But we had a, a, a athlete that ended up being a CFL, so a football career. Yeah. And we had a couple of swimmers and a couple of soccer players. So those athletes, as they started going out and playing with junior and college teams, they would send back their programs. And I would just dive into my... Like I'm... I've been, always been a person that asked a ton of questions, right? Yep. To to my father, especially my father, to his annoyance. Back in those days, he'd be <laughs> just, shut up, because because I said so, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so, but dad, why does the lights go on at a certain time? You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, so uh, I would call these coaches, and finally I got to the Olympic program, and they were using lactate back then, and I'm like, ooh, okay, we're putting needles in, we're pulling blood, what's this all about, right? Right. And so... We were all, and we walk, I walked through the first stuff, like it was a polar heart rate monitor. It was, you know, the day it came, I was just so pumped, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'm going to do the zoning and all these different th- things. But as I started doing these things, I also got to learn what works with it and questions. What's the limitations of that technology? Mm-hmm. And then comes along the lactate and then comes along and well, VO two was always there, but I just didn't have access to it. You know, back then it was, you had to go to university, pay a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So, but then when I went to university, we got, we got to use the VO two, which was, you know, so I'm all over those guys with tons of questions. Why are we on a bike? I'm a hockey player. Like, like, can we do it on the ice? Well, we can't, you know, there was just tons of stuff, but so cool. Then, uh, I got into coaching. I always want like I had five things on the list when I was 20 years old, 22 years old. I wrote five things I want to do in life and I'm on the fifth one right now. OK, we'll get to that. We'll get to that one after. But <laughs> so um, I got into coaching Is one of those things. The high school was on an in, in work strike. So the teachers were still teaching, but they wouldn't do extracurricular sports. So a, a friend of mine, he was the manager of the high school hockey team. He came to me, he said, hey, cozy would you mind coaching the high school team? I'm like, ah, I just started a new job. I got my daughter's one years old, you know, it's, I said, if you can't find anyone, I'll uh, talk to a couple of ex-guys I played some hockey with and see if they'll come out and help, but check some, check all the other guys first. It goes, uh-uh, you are the last guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so, so I'm like, Oh, thank you very much. So when I went on the ice and I blew the whistle and they came and looked at me, I went home and told my wife, I'm going to coach. That was the second thing on my list. So I was still training the athletes in the summer, but then I got into coaching and went full in Uh, and that got me out to Quinnell, BC, a small little town of all places in the the interior. And I met a guy through the president of the hockey team. He says, there's this guy you want to meet. He's just like you. He asked tons of questions, but all these Olympic athletes flying into Quinnell and get trained by this guy. I'm like, yeah, I I definitely want to meet this guy. So. I met Jörg Feldman. Now, I don't know if you know Jörg Feldman. His son, Andre, is, is uh, well-known. He's got his PhD. But Jörg was, is a very unique individual. So I went and seen him. He was the guy that blo- brought blood lactate into North America. If you wanted mm-hmm. to buy lactate analyzer at that time, it was through Fact Canada. That's mm-hmm. where you bought him. Okay. Unless you were you know in the medical field, obviously, right? But so... Um, and he had different companies bringing equipment to him that he would te- he would test and see if it works in the general public or in athletics, you know. Um, so when I met him, it was, I had this book, uh, just a thick book of all the stuff I've learned up to that time, right, stuff that worked for me, different programs, different ideas, different questions, and he's like, eh, you don't need that. And he gave me this breathing, he gave me this breathing machine and he was pulling blood on me and having me do squats and stuff. And I'm breathing on this machine and I'm like, who can do this? And then he grabs it, puts it, changes the breathing set. He starts breathing on it. Like I'm hooked. If you can do that, I can learn. I'll I'll take a little longer probably because I'm not that quick, but I'll get it. (laughs) So with him, it really hit it off well because I'm one of those dogs like in the trenches. If you give me a piece of a, technology. I'll go train a thousand people. Right. Right. And, and, and we'll figure it out what works and what doesn't. So that's how we him and I hit it off. And he had him and his partner had all this different equipment coming in. So we had different um, breathing devices. We had a, a different VO2 equipment. Right. We had different heart rate monitors. We were pulling lactate. We tried a couple of different lactate analyzers, mm-hmm. but there was one that was, was very efficient. We then we got into um or we could actually see it's called a physio flow, we could actually see the heart live. Mm. So stroke volume and and, and obviously yeah. the heart rate and a bunch of other stuff. So we just went down that path. And and he said when I first met him, you'll be you'll be gone in a couple of years. Once I once you and I play around and figure some ideas out, you'll be gone. And I just said, I ain't leaving you till I know everything you got. Right? <laughs> that was about 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed with him for about 12 years. Wow. And then from that, um, it was time to get out and do some different things. And I wanted to see what the East was doing, right? Mm-hmm. So with Jörg, he had about 14 guys um, from all over the world um, that we shared ideas because over East, they could do some different things that we couldn't do. They could be more invasive. So we were, and we would meet every once in a while. It was just, it was just so much fun over that, yeah. you know, just over a decade. And then um, Moxie came out. So before Moxie was Portemon. Um, just a very expensive device, um, but incredible. We didn't have to poke someone with that, but anyways, with that group, um, after about, you know, 12, 13 years, I said, okay, it's time to go over East. So my wife and I, we went over and we took half the classical, Hatha yoga teacher training for six months. Like my day was two 30 in the morning. I get up and I didn't go to bed till 11, 1130 at night at the earliest. Oh my gosh, it was super intense. Right. But, but we also learned how they look at physiology, how they look at nutrition, how they doing, you know, Siddha medicine, these ayurvedic medicine. So I got to learn all these different things. And then I spent 10 years doing that, learning that stuff so I could put it all together and play. Yeah. And that's where and, well, then I came back. Uh, and I live in Kenora, Ontario. So it's, uh, it's a northern town above Lake of the Woods. It's a beautiful summer place, but she's cold in the winter. Yeah, bad. It's good. If, if if you like snow machine in that, it's it's awesome. Uh, ice fishing. Um, but then it was time for me to get up and start sharing this. So there's a couple of guys I met over um, my travels because my wife and I, when we got back from India, we bought an RV and we traveled until COVID. We just traveled all North America. Yeah. And, and stopped at, you know, X. Athletes I've trained and coaches I met and people we met over in India and stuff like that. But um, there was a couple of guys that I was, I was looking to go into partnership with. I just had to pick which one. And I went down to Austin was the first stop and Aaron Davies and Patrick Estes. I knew Aaron before he came to a seminar we did on Moxie in Minneapolis with the inventor and super sharp guy. So I said to him, I went into... In the, Patrick's partner at that time I went into the office and I said I got two days my wife and I are flying back to Canada for Christmas we're gonna we have some people we're gonna visit in Houston um but if you answer this one question I'll hang out with you guys for a couple days and we can share ideas and he was the only guy besides Jurg that could answer the question at that time that I knew so I asked him this question and I and I recorded he talked for 45 minutes down to the cellular level
1: oh my gosh (laughs) yeah
0: it was super impressive, and then Patrick jumped in with some different stuff. His his he doesn't have that type of knowledge, but in other areas with the body and that unreal stuff. So I kind of knew at that moment they were the front runner, but I still went. You know, I flew home that 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 uh, for Christmas came, and I came back down, and and then we hit an office. So now we're partners. I love it. And that's where we are today.
1: I love it, man. I love it. Okay, so something. Or sometimes people say things in emails or texts when we're leading up to the show, because, you know, we go back and forth a little bit. I try and get a gauge for what you're interested in or what you want to talk about. Mm. And you had a great one. So I want to (laughs) start with this. okay? so you said to me that breathing is the master controller of all systems. And I think that's such a great way to look at things. But I would love for you to explain or maybe expand on that statement just a little bit.
0: You're going right to the heart off the start. Eh? Yeah, that's right, man. With you. That's right. <laughs> okay. So I could explain it, right? It's it's like um it's like if I read a book on flying a plane. I will know about it, mm-hmm. right? And I am very detailed when I read that way. So I'll know about it, but no one will jump in the plane and let me drive it. Right. Right. Let me fly it. Right. Right? Because I don't have the experience on it. So when I teach this, when I teach about breathing it's it's um it's one of those things it's like if I said yoga people have instantly have different ideas of yoga and the majority of it's not really reality mm. right it's not about bending and being in these different positions not over in East anyways right so when I say breathing right away people they have already have these ideas right right let's just let's just do it this way. We don't okay. have to do this, but normally this is what I would do as an athlete. I'd say, hey, what's the most important thing in your life, right? And you might say family, you know, whatever they say. Some younger, you know, athletes might, like uh, high school or college kids might say my truck or my snow machine, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I had one one athlete, um, she's like my cat. I'm like, your cat? I said, it's not your twin brother sitting next to you? <laughs> <laughs> she laughs, she goes, no, it's my cat. You high school kids, so. Right. So, When I ask what's the most important thing, people say, you know, usually family, God, whatever is the most important thing to them. Then I just say, okay, I want you to empty all your air, blow it all out. Right. And then hold and don't breathe again.
1: Probably demonstrates a pretty good point.
0: (laughs) And everyone breathes, right? Yep. So if you don't breathe, you don't have God, family, your truck, snow machine, or your incredible cat. Right right so breathing is the most important thing in your life now how you breathe affects every system in here mm-hmm. right for sure so so easily i right from there i go okay let's see how you breathe right put a hand on your chest put a hand on your belly not your belly just below your at the bottom of your ribs right and i just watch them breathe even i might have them walk around a bit or do you know, like uh quarter squats. Cause I just want to see their, cause really, if you're an efficient breather, I shouldn't see your breathing. Mm. Right. Right. Or I'll say to them, I'll say, okay, I, I got my, my watch, I'm going to put a minute on there and we're going to count the breaths, right? I want you to count your own breaths. So if I can, most people, I can see it. So say their breathing is 18 breaths per minute. That's like a car revving, instead of revving at 1500 RPMs, it's revving at 3000. Right. Why? Right. They're over breathing. Mm -hmm. Now we hear a ton of stuff about oxygen, but we forget that oxygen, I'm making it this simple, obviously. It's not this simple, but but it works. This, this works. Yeah. So you have CO2 Mm -hmm. and you have oxygen and they're balanced. There's a range. It's not that they're equal parts. It's just they're, you know, remember the old teeter totters? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you're on one side, I'm on the other side. We can have some fun pushing up and down. Yeah. Right. So the CO2 and the O2 are relatively balanced. You need a certain amount of CO2 for the oxygen to get in the muscles. Right. If you're over breathing, the CO2 is going down and the oxygen is going up. That means if you just think of highways of your delivery system, the delivery system starts to constrict. It's limiting the blood flow down there. Yeah. Also low CO2. It's hard for the oxygen to jump off. If it's like a cab picking up oxygen, bringing it down to your muscle, instead of four oxygen jumping off, maybe only one can jump off. Right. Now that is changing everything. Now your heart has to work harder. But what part of your heart? You know what I mean? Is it, it the pump side, the heart rate, or do you have the ability to use stroke volume? Right. And there's more things in that. What do your kidneys have to do now? Because that's changed your pH level. Just how your breathing is changing everything. Now, what about your mind? Your mind, it's so the, the highways up here are so tiny. Yep. Right? Now, what we could do simple is I could have you stand and do some squats. Say you could do 30 squats, no problem, right? And then we just time until your breathing gets back to normal. If we had a device on you, like a heart rate monitor and a MOXIE, for example, we could see the, the heart rate get back to normal. We could also see with the MOXIE, we could see the oxygen level get back to normal and a few other things. But we would know relatively when you're recovered. But let's just go with your breathing, right? It's simple. So you do 30 squats. We time it and it takes you 90 seconds to get your breathing back to normal. Now we, you're fully recovered. We have you do it again. But this time, when you finish the 30 squats, you hold your breath for a little bit, just five, six seconds. Now that 90 seconds goes up to 120.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yep. Then we just for just for fun, we'll do it again. But this time, as you're doing the squats, I want you to breathe off a little more air. So just a little deeper like this. And as soon as you finish the 30 squats, again, you move a little more air. What's happening as you're squatting, you're burning oxygen and your CO2 levels going up. Now there's a range in here. And once it gets to that range, you'll go into survival mentally and physically. It'll shut you down. Yep. But if you can blow that off as the CO2 is going up and you blow it off and you don't reach up here, instead of recovering in 90 seconds or 120, if you hold your breath, you'll recover in say 45 or 50 seconds. It's just because you're playing with that CO2, O2 O2 balance. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, if you can blow that off, you're not only recovered quicker, your mental is recovered. Sure. Because if you go into survival, we all know this with athletes. Once we push them into survival, you push them super hard, the thinking goes out the door. They start making these mistakes, passing the puck on their backhand up the middle of the ice, you know, whatever sport they're playing. They start making these errors that they normally wouldn't make. So the limitations in, it's super hard to separate both.
1: Mm-hmm. The sure.
0: mind, the mind and the body, the physical and the mental, they're just tied together. Right. One affects the other.
1: Okay. I love that. Now, something else that I know you're passionate about, because you've already mentioned it a handful of times, is assessing this stuff, right? And mm-hmm. assessing breathing. Now, it's so funny that you mentioned Hatha yoga or Hatha yoga, because I actually did a Hatha yoga class way back. This was like 1997, right? It was part of my undergraduate degree. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I remember in that course, one of our main evaluations was using a spirometer, right? Mm -hmm. And literally inhale, exhale, and we tracked our breathing over the course of the semester, which I thought was cool. So what kind of assessments can we use for breathing? Because this is stuff I would love to be able to integrate with my athletes right i'd love to be able to show objective things like hey we're measurably improving here so what kind of tools or tech do we have available to us to kind of determine how well or maybe on the flip side how poorly somebody is breathing mm.
0: okay so there's the technology and then there's the athlete buy-in they yes. together absolutely right okay so very rarely do I go to the tech first unless they're already into that. Right. because mm, okay. all they have some experience. When I mean into that, they have experience in that with another culture or, or whatever. Right. And <clears throat> even though the athletes nowadays, they love numbers.
1: Mm-hmm. You know
0: what I mean? They really love numbers. So, but at first we just want to make sure they understand like the squat game. Yep. Right. And then We'll get them to hold, there's a, a simple way, if you have no technology, you can do, there's a guy, Buteyko. Um, he had some great methods. He's got an actual chart, so, and there's technology you can use with that. But you don't even need that in the sense that you could use one of his breathing techniques. So there's a couple of different ones out there. One of them is you inhale fully and then you exhale as slowly as possible. You know, divers have a, a few of those different techniques. And you track that time uh, of your exhale and see if that increases you could do certain different types of breath holds there's a bunch of different things Uh, always be aware of the breath holds um, because get a little dizzy yeah it's so there there's a few different techniques that are really good that you can track that way and the athletes can do it on their own right now The technology, and when we talk about tech, it's super important. I was listening to a a guy this morning about talking about it. um, Yuri Dostal, super smart guy. Uh, He was in our group of that 14 people. Um, And he was just talking about knowing the, the limitations of the technology is as important or even more important, right? Right. So that was the beauty of working with Jurgen and now with Aaron and Patrick is we just test stuff, tons of it. We don't say nothing until we at least have a thousand tests. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I mean, we got years of testing before we even say something. And, and we're very comfortable at saying, we, we don't know. This is what we see. Right. But we don't know. And this is how we can use it for this. But this we don't know. So in that um, of testing all these different technologies breathing itself, you can use a spirometer. Okay. A spirometer is, meso- is giving you the lung capacity, not the true lung capacity, but it, but it gives you a number, yeah. right? And you can increase that with training. Then you know you're moving more air, right? You have the right. ability possibly to move more air because there's coordination involved in that. But it also gives you how much air you move in the first second and then in six seconds. And they use that number, divide one by six, and doctors would... St- Today, you possibly have a limitation if it's not 80%, it's less in your, so you might have sports induced asthma or asthma.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. There's a limitation to that too, because we have a breathing machine and there's a few in the market. Um, we're coming to market here with, 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 one right away. Um, and with that machine, um, you can train the speed, the volume. So we put those together and there's your coordination, right? Right. So if if I have an athlete that has a six-liter lung capacity, right, and in that first second, he moves, what's 80%, 4.8 liters. So yeah. the parameter would say 4.8 liters, his max is six liters. You divide that, there's your 80%. He's good. But what if the athlete has trained and has an eight-liter lung capacity? The limiter is his trachea, is the piping system right. He cannot get 80% out in one second.
1: Sure. So
0: then that, so we got to be aware of that limitation. Now the spirometer is measuring exhalation. You can infer because they exhalate exit, they had to inhale first to exhale. Right. But that's nothing to do with coordination. I can do a one rep max, but that that doesn't tell you what I'm going to do in sprinting, skating, because it (laughs) takes the contract to relax the ability there. So, so what we, we use this barometer for sure to get what is their lung capacity. Basically, let's have a look at the amount of air they can move in one second, which we could train to be better. And obviously the six seconds and that the division, that percentage. And then we want to see their coordination, how much, how fast can they move air, right? Mm-hmm. And the volume they can do. So that's when we use, we have a machine called an NX. Um, there's other devices out there. And with that, you could see all they're doing pretty, basically just filling a bag and empty a bag, right? Now the machine can do a lot more than that, but just to make it simple, so people can understand. So maybe they could breathe 30 breaths per minute on a two liter bag. So 30 times two, is 60, they can move 60 liters in a minute, right? So that gives us the, how fast they can move the air and the volume they can move. And then we can train that. It's and this is an important part before I jump to the next technology. We, when I first, when Jörg started teaching me this, he's like, you know that there's respiratory muscles, right? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but you know that we train them the same as we train your biceps and your quads and your hams and your glutes. And I'm like, no, tell me. I've never right. seen that. Right? Right. What? There's they say there's approximately 10 pounds of respiratory muscles, the diaphragm and all these intercostals and all those muscles are moving the lungs, yeah. are moving the rib cage. They're doing the breathing, right? Yep. They're a partner in that. But how do we train that? It's a very important question because there's sure. so much talk about core stability, mobility. Well, if we're not training the middle part, which is connected to everything else,
1: Yeah, it's kind of a big deal, right?
0: Kind of a big deal. So, and we can easily prove that your breathing will shut down the legs. Sure. what? I just did. Do that squat test again. Right. This time, just time hold your breath or only breathe through your nose. Limit it. If you don't make it harder, just breathe through one nostril as you're doing the squats. You'll shut down right away. But we didn't change your legs. We just changed the delivery. Yeah. We changed the balance of the O2 CO2. So the CO2 went so high, it went into survival. And when it goes into survival, let's just picture it like you're on a mountain freezing. The brain doesn't care about your fingers, toes, ears and nose. They can fall off. And that's what happens. And it's an ugly thing yeah. if you get saved. Right. Yeah. In sport, your brain doesn't know that you're not freezing on the mountain. It just knows that it needs more, a better balance. The CO2 is too high and the oxygen's too low, or something in that range, and it will limit the blood flow, or it will shut down the muscle units.
1: I love it. I love it. Okay, so now talk to me about, and this is loosely related, but I think there's a bigger question here as well, but like, now that you have some of this information, talk to me about how you take this information and then actually use it to make better decisions or implement better training. Because look, I've had dozens of people on the show, right? And one thing we can all kind of agree on is like, if you're not assessing to then use that information, you're just collecting data, right? So talk to me about how we take this stuff and actually use it or apply it with our clients and athletes.
0: All right. You're on a roll, man. Great (laughs) question. Okay. Okay. So, with once we know the limitations and what the technology shows us, right? So let's just look in the field of of heart rate, and it's simple. And, and I'm not cutting anything here. Everything, if, if we just, you know, we can always look at things totally different. Sure. And from the same thing, right? Just flip the coin. I'll give you an example. I, was, I started coaching that high school hockey. Right. I started the story to start. That's how I got into coaching. Then I ended up up in, in B.C. So I go in there, we practice, we're getting ready. We're going to play exhibition game against Fort Francis. It's a town, two and a half hours away from here. So it's exhibition. I walk into the dress room before the game and, and I look and the kids are like, I'm like, what's going on? Like they should be they're high school. They should be chatting, you know, and right. having fun. Like we're going to play. We're going to play hockey, your favorite your favorite sport. Right and their heads are down. And I'm like, Hey, what's going on? There's something up. That, did I miss something? And they're like, well, we're playing four friends tonight. And I'm like, and, well, they spank us all the time. Like, you know, seven, one, eight, two, <laughs> I said, they didn't, when I played, what happened? They're there. that, that it. That town's half the size we are. Right. What happened before when I left that now you guys are, and I said, you guys are already beat. Like let's don't let's don't waste our energy and time here. Let's save our money for the referees. Let's go have some pizza. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. you're already beat. Right. And they're like, come on, Coles. And I said, okay, we had this one kid super strong. I said, put your arms up, put those arms up. I said, resist when I say resist. So I could hardly pull him down. And he yeah. you know, he's, he's turning 17. Yeah, he was big, strong. strong. kid, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I could. I finally get his arms down. I said, that's an eight out of 10. He goes, oh, I can do better. I said, okay, you know, so eight and a half out of 10. I said, now close your eyes and think about someone you hate. He goes, I don't hate anyone. I said, oh, you're right. Back in our day, back in my day, it was hate. Now it's called dislike. Yeah. So what do you dislike? Picture him. Picture that person. Use your senses. Feel it. I go, you got it? He goes, yeah. I take two fingers and I pull his arms down. And he's like, what did you just do to me? And I said, you did it. You already beat yourself. Yep. As soon as you think of something negative like that and then really feel it, you're instantly weak. Okay. I like
1: that. Yeah, I like that.
0: Okay, so now when we, when we we look at that, I'm just when I'm gonna explain stuff about technology, I'm using the experience I've gained and through people that I've met, just like everyone else does, right? And if we look at it and Instead of, I'm cutting something down, I'm scaffolding and we're all on the same team. Yep. If we're on the same team, we're always looking for what works. If something doesn't work, that's okay. It's just the technology wasn't invented to see what we can see now. Right. We're looking, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. when I was teaching school, I said, you, I'm no smarter than you kids. You've asked me about an engine. I had no idea. Right. But someone here knows about car engines or snow machine and someone knows English way better than I do. I have trouble speaking it. Right. <laughs> and someone knows math better than I do. But I know sports and I know the mind. So in Toronto, Canada, it's just I'm standing on the top of the CN Tower. You're at the bottom. You can only see a certain distance. That's called experience. Doesn't mean I'm smarter. Right. Just in this area, I have more experience. So with this, we're just scaffolding. If we're on the same team, what doesn't work, we just toss out. We make sure it doesn't work, but we're adding to our knowledge. That's the beauty of it. Yep. So when we look at heart rate, a heart rate monitor, and I have one, the heart rate monitor tells me the heart rate. It doesn't tell me the stroke volume. Every pump on the heart, there's a volume. Yep. Right? Yeah. If I have a smaller heart, a bigger heart, an endurance athlete has a way bigger heart. A hockey player has a smaller one and it's thicker because it's pressure pump. Yeah. Right? So without the stroke volume, I don't know, it'll help me in certain things. But now if I take that heart rate monitor, and I put it with a NIRS device like a Moxie, mm-hmm. the NIRS device has vo- blood volume THV. Just simple. So if I was biking or jogging at a steady state, my heart rate was steady, 80 beats per minute. And the blood volume on the moxie went up, my stroke volume went up. Yep. Now I know. Now I have two. If I have a physio flow, I can see it all, but those are very expensive and they're a little sure. tricky to use. Sure. This is a simple method we could use with athletes. Breathing. There's oh, there's the VO2 master. Now it's a small one, the Pinoy with a little pack sack in the back. We used to have the KB42, you know, it was a bigger thing. Um, and even now, the bioharnesses is one of the things I really use because there's nothing on the mouth. So the limitation of the co 2 devices, it's covering your mouth. Yes. Um, you skate down the ice or run down the track with a thing over your mouth. It's a limitation in itself. Absolutely. It's changing the CO2 right away, O2 balance. But we can get some very good information off it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the bioharness is going off our rib cage. So when you take hitting into it, we lose that data. Now, what do I want out of the breathing? I want to know how fast they're breathing and the volume, just like the heart rate. Yeah. If a person breathes too fast, (laughs) like this, remember that the piping system?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It starts limiting because there's dead space in here. Just like a garden hose, the water's sitting in the... when, When you finish turning off the garden hose, there's still water in there. Yes. Same here. There's still air here. If I breathe too fast and I'm not moving much air, I'm I'm limited. This is this is has to minus off the volume that's getting in here. If I'm breathing too fast, I'm, I'm limiting more and more because of this volume. Yep. if I can breathe bigger, I get more oxygen in. I balance that CO2 O2 better. So the device I need for breathing has to give me that. The device I need for my heart, the cardiac system has to, I need heart rate and stroke. Volume. if yep. I can get those. We're doing really well. Right. Okay. Now, when I assess an athlete, that's what I want. Plus, I want, first of all, I want them on a table, right? I want a person making sure that's not my expertise. We have, you know, Aaron and Patrick both do that. Uh, You need to know if, is there injuries? What's the past injuries? What's their limitations? What they need to work on? And that's what Jurg used to do for me too. He's a physiotherapist. Then I get that athlete. And now I want to assess them in their sport is ideal.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask that. I'm glad you mentioned okay.
0: that. Yep. So what technology can I use in their sport? So we we'll take hockey, which is difficult because there's a seat, there's a roof. There's a place in Davos still they have, the outdoor rink without it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with real ice, uh, not real ice, with artificial ice. So it's year round. But so the GPS is limited. Now in that rink, if we put a bioharness on, and we have a MOXIE on and a heart rate monitor on, we have it. We can see it.
1: What okay? What's a bioharness? Is it like a like a catapult or something like that? Or I'm not yeah,
0: sure. Yeah, a catapult is a pretty amazing system. It, it again, it has its limitations, obviously. Yeah, sure. um, so with the bioharness, what I want out of that? Yes, it has. How fast they're moving, the, okay. the stopping, has their heart rate, has their body positioning. Oh, wow. But the stuff I really want out of that, I want the respiratory frequency and the tidal volume. Yep. I want the breathing out of that. Yes. Right. Yep. And the heart rate, obviously the heart rate. With the MOXIE, I'll get the oxygen usage and I'll get um, the blood volume. Yeah. So with that data and and... I'm going to take something fairly complex and make it simple in a sense, is, and I'll put it into a story. We're in Davos. That's where Jürg, uh, my mentor at that time, li- grew up. And we have a son who has, uh, the one son has diabetes, so he was doing a different test up this mountain. And his old Andre, the other son, he's up, was like a mountain climber. He, he's not a person that does explosive hockey jumps up a mountain. That's what Jurg says. We're going to do explosive hockey jumps up that mountain to that, to that friggin' that ski resort up there. And I'm like, I was 48 at the time. I go, Jurg, I do a couple of these to look, and I look good in front of my athletes, but if I had to do 10, I wouldn't look that good. And you want me to do it up that mountain. He goes, Oh, I did it when we were training for the Olympics for speed skating. I said, yeah, but you guys were all injured. That That was our coach. Our coach didn't know. So anyways, so we have a heart rate monitor on. We have a MOXIE on now. The MOXIE is just going to show basically it's going to show our oxygen go down. So as you're moving, the oxygen goes down and when you stop, it comes back up. Yeah. So just like heart rate, the opposite. When you start moving, jump hockey jumps, explosive jumps 45 degrees, The heart rate is linear. It goes up. And when you stop, it still keeps going for a little bit because there's the delay system on it. Sure. And then it goes down when you're standing still opposite of the so one showing blood the heart rate the other one showing the oxygen just simple Yep. there's another part to the moxie but we don't even need to know that right now so oh yeah and there's one there's an athlete she was playing hockey in austria i trained her for a year she ended up running my gym on bc shelby ballandine awesome athlete she's one of the top university players at that time she was with us too so we have each have a moxie heart rate monitor and We're going to explosive jump up this mountain to this resort. We start going. And as soon as you feel fatigue coming, you stop. So as soon as this oxygen is going down, if the oxygen starts to plateau, you're already too late. Mm, You've got to stop moving when the oxygen... You're still using oxygen. Yes. That's it. That was the only... And we both, you are going to we both knew this. We called it, this is coordination, optimal coordination, performance. And then if it, the oxygen flatlines, you're going into survival, like freezing on the mountain. Yeah. And the blood's going to shift from your extremities to protect the core. For sure. That was the premise we were going on. We knew it, but we, we were testing it up this mountain on a freaking hot day. So there's these hikers and they're taking pictures of us because look, look at these crazy Canadians, eh? What are they (laughs) doing, you know, up this mountain? So I made sure I always stopped before because I've been we've been training with this for a couple of years now. So um, so I always stopped before the oxygen plateaued, let let it recover fully, my breathing recovered, and then I do it again. I got up to the resort and it didn't make sense in my head. I go, I was just doing anaerobic all the way up that mountain. I should have fell apart way earlier, especially being 48 years old and never training that. Right. You know what I mean? For a long time, I haven't trained that. I couldn't, it didn't make sense. So I kept on going up to steeper and climb past the resort. And then I turned around and came back down. The rest of the group came up and then we sat there and we were eating and and, and we started chatting. I said, what happened? Well, Andre, the older son, the mountain climber, he never has done explosive gyms. So his muscles shut down right away. They sure. Just he doesn't he doesn't have that ability. Shelby Ballandine, the hockey athlete, she does those all the time. But what happened with her is she wanted to stay with me. Mm. She didn't want this old man beating her up this mountain. <laughs> so her oxygen would go down and it would start to plateau. And then she would go into survival and then the brain shut everything down and she fell apart. Yeah. So right then we knew that the anaerobic aerobic model didn't work with that technology. So either the technology is wrong or the model's wrong. Mm-hmm. So when I'm jumping, why is the oxygen going down? That doesn't make sense in the anaerobic aerobic model. True. So we had some questions. Some big. we already knew this, but we never tested it to that extreme. So from that, and now it took me a long time to walk down the mountain and I couldn't walk for seven days because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't used to it. Right. But we also knew that oxygen's a primary fuel source right from the beginning. And we had to redesign and re-get into the trenches and test this. So what we do on ice was have we made protocols for the hockey player. So for a forward it would be different than a defenseman, which would be different for a goaltender. Whatever they do in the game, we wanted to mimic, mm-hmm. right? Nothing like a game. Don't get me wrong. That's the ideal. But just for us to test this now. So for a forward, it was skate, you know, blue line to blue line stops and starts. A D-man would go forward to backwards. We would see the oxygen going down and around 17 seconds plus or minus three. They all would go into survival. Mm. And as a coach's eye, I would see them come out of that hockey stance. A good coach will see that no problem. Yes, what you don't see is how do when are they recovered? Now, the oxygen would come back up, the blood volume would come back up, the heart rate would come back down. They're still not recovered till the breathing's recovered. Mm. If we push them before that, they would fall apart. If we let everything recover, they would do more sets. Now, we started getting all this data. Mm -hmm. Now, how long did it take an athlete to recover 90 seconds? Could we change that 90 seconds recovery because 90 seconds is too long if you're double shifting in hockey. Right. Well, how do we get that 90 seconds down to 45? It's their breathing. So then we have the breathing device, like the NX we're going to come up with here, and we train their breathing. So if they could move 150 liters of air in a minute, what if we can make that 300 liters of air in a minute? They could blow double the air. Would that take the ninety seconds recovery down to forty five seconds? That's logical. Sure. What do you think? What do you think?
1: I mean, it sounds great. I don't know if it worked, but
0: well, I know it works. Otherwise, what would be on your shoulder? Yeah, it's true. That's true.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it shifted it down. So we knew that that idea of how the oxygen works and the ability to blow off that CO two and get you back in the safety range—they go hand in hand.
1: That's pretty cool, man.
0: So now we can assess and we can train it. Now, with Andre going up the hill, we had to retrain his muscles if that's what he wanted to do. Sure. That's a different thing, along with the breathing and everything else. But the main thing is his muscles, that coordination pattern, right? With Shelby, we had to go to the mind. She was just like too, she wasn't even thinking. She's just, I'm going to do this. That's it. Right. So for her, we go, hey, whoa, 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 you got to pull back the range and you'll get way more. You got to think a little more. Mm-hmm. Right. You've got to trust the technology until you get the feeling. Because I had the feeling because I've been training it. Right. Once you don't have to look at the watch and you go, okay, my breathing's out. The oxygen's going to start to plateau. You got it. Yeah. Now we're giving that athlete not only a skill for that training session, they can use that in the sport. Yeah. He can manipulate her CO2 level before she jumps on the ice and soon as she's coming off the ice. Now it's a tactical strategical advantage. For sure.
1: So talk to me about how you're, let's, let's say you've gone through this entire assessment and you've determined that the breathing is legitimately the limiting Mm -hmm. factor, right? What are some strategies you're using there? And I know you talked about puteco breathing, like what do you have in the arsenal there? What could people be doing? To improve that,
0: mm. that that's such a hot topic right now. You know, we have different different uh, groups with different ideas. So it's it's. Thank you for asking it. <laughs> Basically, as soon every person I mean I look at their breathing, right? Mm-hmm. And pretty much everyone I see overbreathes. They're breathing too much for yep. just sitting, right? So, but if you look at any kid, any child, unless there's something you know something happened uh, through the birth or whatever, if if everything's okay. They'll breathe perfectly, mm. right? right? You'll even see their belly. You'll even see their belly come out. Yeah. Well, their belly comes up because they're tiny,
1: right?
0: Right. When the diet, right. when the diaphragm comes down, it's pushing the organs. They don't have a long like. I'm I'm my genetics my fat on my dad's side the Kozaks have long bodies short legs yeah <laughs> <So> <laughs> our legs better our legs better move fast if you're gonna play hockey that's right so I have a big space here. Everyone's different. But with yep. kids, they're pretty much, their heads are huge because their bodies are little, right? They're right. kids. They grow into the head. Right. So there's not much room there. So the belly comes out. So then we think that we should be belly breathing. Right? Yeah. I'm not against belly breathing. I'm just saying, I'll put my hands in your ribs from behind. And I just want you to move your ribs. Like, I'll say to people, okay, let your air out, right? Right. Now inhale. Right. But that's going in 360.
1: Thank you. That's yes. Going Thank you in for saying every that.
0: Every direction, right? Yes. And there's different spots that are super efficient, lower back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we want to we want all we do our training at start is to get them to remember how to breathe like a kid. Yeah. Because they all breathe perfectly. So it's in there.
1: Yeah. We just
0: have to remember them. That's why guys like uh Carl Stahl, super interesting guy, figured it out. He's got a simple technique, right? Um that will help you remember how to breathe. Buteyko has some great techniques. And there's other different yogas and different breathing practices that have great techniques. We just have to be careful. Always there's a limitation. And if we're going to start taking things out of yoga and this, be very careful because it might not, that, that technique might be for something else. Right? right. So with us, it's super simple. First, get on the table, let our guys realign if there's anything out. And then we just get them, we play some games to get them to remind how to breathe.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. And then from there, do we start using technology?
1: Okay. Love it. Okay. So I don't know about you, but I <laughs> have had the random client or athlete over the years when I'll say something along the lines of, Breathing is important or we're going to assess your breathing and you cue the eye roll, right? Oh, I've been breathing for X amount of years. I'm probably fine. At which point I try and educate them on, hey, just because you're alive doesn't mean you are breathing at optimal capacity or optimal function. So... Mm -hmm do you ever have this issue of getting some buy-in with your clients or athletes and and trying to help them understand the value and the role of this? I know you talked about your, your squat test or, uh, or the, what's the most important thing to you, but you know, what other Mm -hmm. things have you done in the past to try and facilitate or improve buy-in with this stuff? Yeah,
0: you know, that's, There's just a diverse group of athletes and we work and I have worked with so many different in so many different fields. Right. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. You're going to get the eye rolls and different things like that. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an extreme case and I'll work my way back back. So when I would go in with, uh, junior teams, um, like junior hockey teams, but any sport like volleyball, whatever, um, especially at a hockey mentality, uh, I would go in and I'm starting to talk and I'm what's the most important thing in your life. You know, they make jokes and different things and you can just see there's four or five guys, just like you said,
1: they yeah, they're buying not buying it. it. Yeah.
0: Right. 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 I say, so then I'll go, okay, let's just try this for fun. I just want to see your so-called core strength. It's, it's not what I'm looking at, but I tell them that cause they know those words. Right. Right. So I say everyone in, in a plank position like me and I'll just be in a plank position. And I'm talking the whole time, right? And then I'll say, okay, perfectly straight. Just keep the body perfectly straight. And I'll ask the assistant coach, whoever's around, right? Say, just check everyone. We want no butts, glutes in the air, nothing. You know what I mean? Just perfectly straight. That's it. Now go halfway down. So the elbows are at 90. And just hold there for a while. And then all the way up. And then down to one inch off the ground. One inch is this. Yeah. This is one inch, right? Yeah. One inch off the ground in canada we have to say centimeters 2.5 right so and then all all the way back up and i just keep doing that then i'll go halfway down one inch down all the way up halfway down one inch down halfway up one inch down all the way up and i just keep on doing it until they all fall down (laughs) and then i'm still up and i'm like hey what's the problem like i'm 56 years old core super important you guys been telling me about that we had a discussion already because i made sure we had talked about it right right and I'll say, what's the problem here? And they're like, I don't know, man, you must do core all the time. I said, I don't do it at all. I breathe (laughs) on a machine. I'm changing. I'm training not just core. I'm training stability, mobility. Yeah. Right. If you, if I blow up a balloon right now, fully blow it up, which I'll do. I'll have it there with them. I'll say, push it together. Not one guy can get his hands together. Now that's true. So-called core strength to you. For me, that's stability. The more stable I am, the less muscles I have to use for stability, the more I have for mobility. It's all about energy. Right. You only have so much energy, right? Then we can jump into the mental part, but let's just stay with the core thing. So what I do is I do that not to show that cozy is better because I'm not. If I had to do a bunch of sit-ups, you guys got me. Right. Right? But we'll see how mine is in stability and mobility, right? So what I say to him, I say, I did some tricks. The one number, most, the most important thing is, I get I move when I want to move. If I'm in one position that's not comfortable, I switch. Right. You don't have that option. That's a huge advantage. Yeah. That's a mental game. Yep. Right? Yeah. Second thing is I always have a bunch of air in. Even when I'm talking, I'm inflated like a balloon. You guys, I could hear you doing this. <laughs> You're like a balloon like this. Where's the stability there? Right. There it is. And then I trained my respiratory muscles. The main stabilizer. All those muscles, I've trained them for years. Hmm. There's no argument after that. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, not so extreme, right? We just get them to hold their breath, right? It's super easy you just blow everything off and then, and time it. Right, but if they inhale, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. Hold your breath. How long can you hold your breath? They love that game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're putting the number. You have the coach putting the numbers down, and then I'll do it, and I'll do it for a lot longer. Now, how am I doing that? Right. So the numbers get them, and then that brings in the conversation. In between that is I actually have the annex breathing machine and I put in each person has their own user set and I start moving a three liter bag and then they put their user set on and they can't fill the three liter bag (laughs) people that are bigger than me I'm like what's the problem well I've never done it I said I understand let's just take let's bring it down to a 2.5 and they cannot fill that right it's because you don't you have a system a bunch of muscles and you haven't trained Yeah. The buying's pretty darn good from there.
1: Oh, I bet. Yeah, the demonstration Mm. value is very high in all those scenarios. Okay. So one more kind of big picture question here. We've talked a lot about the physical side, but you've also made mention Mm. of the mental side. And we've all seen this, right? The person that you can just tell physically they're tapped out and then mentally they fall apart right? They start making poor choices, whether it's tactically, technically, they fall apart, right? They can't run, they can't jump, hit, whatever the case may be. How do you help them understand that it's not just like, oh, mentally, you're a head case, like there's physiology at play here that you can address that will then positively impact your mental and cognitive side of your, your athleticism? Hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, that's such, um, to me, that would be the number one question Yeah, that was for me when I had those 30 kids out there and all of a sudden I'm by myself on this field when we were, wanted two kids to train yep. and my buddy couldn't train with me. I'm just trying to figure things out to do with 30 people, you know, I'm sure. new at this, right? I'm sure. 22 years old. I'm still in university and there was this lactate tolerance training. So I'm, I'm gonna go, okay, I'm gonna put these guys through something. <laughs> now this is, we built up to this, right? Right. We were running 400 meters full out, recover fully, whatever that meant that time. It was, we were on heart rate monitors at that time, so it wasn't a full recovery. And then, or sorry, I shouldn't say that. It could possibly be, but if their breathing wasn't recovered, they're not recovered. And we do it again and we do it again. And we're just pushing and we're cheering them on. It was lactate, tolerance, training, right? Yeah. Did it for years, right? Just ripped people apart for like five, six, seven days, right? Crazy stuff. It sounds crazy now, but back then, that's what we did. Now, I would see people give up and I'm like, oh, that guy's not mentally tough. That's all. You know, that's it. And that kid, that kid is unreal, right? But maybe it wasn't. Maybe I couldn't see inside at that time, the physiological system going on. Maybe I have two guys that are running at 400 meters and the one guy creates just a compression because he's a very efficient runner, but the other guy is a hockey player, he doesn't run and he's 6'2 and he's 210 pounds. Right? Right. Like as a young coach, man, did I hurt that guy, right? I'm so sorry. Right? Yeah. I didn't know better. I'm just doing the best I can with what I knew at that time. Right. Don't forget, this was 30 years ago. Now, I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying what was. Yeah. So this guy's running. And if I would have had a moxie on there, the moxie shows me there's another line I didn't talk about. It shows me what type of contraction force is going on. Mm. Is it a compression? So we think of a garden hose. If I press the garden hose, I limit a little blood flow. That's called the compression. Yeah. Right. If I press harder and put my foot down, I close the return off. So water's coming in in the garden hose, but it's not going out and if it's a flexible garden hose like my RV has, it starts to up. Right? That's a venous, right? So it's in, it's stopping the return. Yes. Okay. That's a venous occlusion. Now, if I put two feet down, I stop the inflow and the outflow. That's an arterial occlusion. You hear about BFR, blood flow restriction training, get real strong when you create an arterial occlusion, but you need a lot of time for recovery. But for that athlete running, if it's just the compression, that guy can go. He's got good coordination. The other guy, he shuts off the blood flow, the return to his heart. Now his heart has to work so hard and he's shutting down. He's going into survival. Yeah. Nothing to do with mental. Right. It's all to do with the physiology of what that technique and the coordination, a bunch of other things in there. Yeah. So I didn't know that stuff. Right. But I knew that some of those kids that were falling apart, they're super mentally tough. Yeah. I've watched them, you know, over years of playing their sport. So it didn't make sense. And we couldn't real test it. Right. It took years and of me working with different people and going over to India and working with these different stuff. Cause I had to find ways, simple ways that we can, figure this out, and get the buy-in at the same time. So this is how I start. I say, close your eyes. Close your eyes and don't think a thought. And if you do, if you don't open, as soon as you think a thought, open your eyes. Now here's a cavite emptor, be aware. If you're thinking you're not thinking a thought, that's thinking, <laughs> you have to open your eyes, right? Yeah. Now, if you don't open your eyes in five, six seconds, I'll never play golf with you for money. <laughs> Right. Because you're cheating already. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No one that I know lasts longer than that, right? Unless you're trained in a certain way. Now, so they're sitting there and they open their eyes. I go, okay, now tell your hand to sit still. Put it on the table. Is it moving? They're like, no. What if my hand was doing this? <laughs> I wouldn't be your I wouldn't be your coach anymore, right? No, they say, No, I'm not. But why is your mind doing that? You can't not think. Or if I say don't think about monkeys, that's all you think about through the rest of the day. Right. So the mind is out of control. There's unconscious thoughts. Just to make it simple. Once they realize that the mind is out of control, can we train it? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: for sure. Now,
0: we cannot force the mind. There's there's no, there's no breaks on the mind. There's only gas pedals. So if I try to force it, I'm not thinking about this, that's all I'll think about. But don't believe me, just go try and do what I said. Yeah. Play the game, have some fun with it. Don't get tense playing it, have some yeah. fun like you're a kid. Yeah. Once you understand, then we need a technique, a skill to work on, just like stick handling, just like shooting, right? Just yeah. like dribbling, a, a soccer ball. We need a skill so we can practice. So the skill is very simply. Can you hear the lawnmower outside right now?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not right now. Okay. No. So that means that, that these Apple iPod uh, or these headphones are dying like that. Yeah. That's awesome. I can, I can, hear, I can hear that outside the lawnmower. I can hear some people talking downstairs. Like my father, I'm at my father-in-law's yeah. house. I can hear his TV cause his hearing aids aren't that good. He's been <laughs> cranked up. You know what I mean? I can hear all those things. If I pay attention to them, I'm not very good at my sport. Am I right? Yeah. When I'm in my sport, I can hear the external noises. I can hear the crowd. I can hear the coach yelling, cozy, dump the puck in before you make a mistake. <laughs> I can hear all that stuff, right? But I don't pay attention to it because I'm paying attention to where the puck is, who's on the ice. I'm using my, my central vision to my peripheral vision. I'm in the zone, in the flow, whatever the new word is about that, right? I'm there. I can hear the external. And... I'm watching and seeing everything and I'm thinking consciously about the options that present themselves. My mind is not thinking about my dog that died two years ago or the lawnmower or anything else. That's in the zone. Well, let's train that. Right. So when you're sitting here, simply close your eyes. When a thought comes up, you just shift your attention back to your breathing. How am yeah. I breathing? If it, if it changes, it changes. Doesn't matter. If it yep. doesn't change, doesn't matter. Then I hear the external noises. I'll start to label them. Lawnmower, law, father-in-law, wife, right? right? Then I go shift my attention back to my breathing. Then the external noises settle down and I'm in the zone. Yeah. The external noises, let me ask you this question. The external noises you're hearing right now, if you could hear something in your house right now, yep. where do you experience that noise? Yeah. After it goes through your ears, what you see, you see me. If I was in front of you, I'd go, where am I? You go, close you. wow, well, you're right there. Right. I go, yes, but you experienced me this small, it's inverted. You know, the whole story, right? Yeah. Then your brain goes, okay. He's five foot 10, got big ears and the nose. He better be careful in the windstorm and I might turn his head and crank <laughs> it, right? <laughs> Whatever your mind thinks of, but you experience it in here. So the outside noise, the next level of the training is the outside noise, is the same as the internal unconscious thoughts. They're just noise. Right. They're not helping me at all. I just need to hear it in case there's something going on. Like the coach says, power play, power play. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: I got it. I know. We got an extra guy jumping on the ice, right? Now we got an advantage. Now we have a different strategy. That's all I need to know and the rest is I'm on the game. Yeah. Well, why isn't that all the time? Because no one give us a manual to train this. Yeah. There's the first skill, and then we can layer that. And there's other different layers of that. But it's a simple skill the kids do. So when they come into my gym, they'll come in. I got the tunes cranking. Well, first I'll ask, "Is anyone on your team? Is the music guy? Oh yeah, this guy is cool. Okay, put your music on. I get them, and I start playing this super hard juggling game. It's a partner game, you and I, because I want to see how they think. Do they cut the other guy down? Do they blame them? Do they make excuses? Do they whine? Do they playing or even worse, do they cut themselves down? Right. And then I stop the music, and I go, "Look at your shoes over there; they're in a pile." And they're like, "Yeah." And I said, "Okay, look at my shoes; they're sitting perfect against the wall." Now I'll put my shoes on, I'll flick them, and I'll say, "It's a game. I want to flick them to the tips against the wall, side by side. If I don't, I go over and put them that way." And they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "It's a skill for my attention level." Plus, it's a safety feature by the door. For sure. But it's a skill. It's something I can sharpen my attention. Have you ever played against someone in sport and they look at you and your hair goes up? Yeah. That's trained. That's a trained skill. Once you get that attention level up to a certain level, you can put it on your breathing. You can hear the noise. We're just helping the same game. It's a breath attention. How you think is how you breathe, and how you breathe is how you think. And they're like, what are you talking about? We just played this game and I just heard a bunch of complaining, whining, excuses, blaming. And even cutting yourself down. I can't do this. This is too hard. You were holding your breath. I was watching a bunch of you. You're holding your breath or you're breathing fast and shallow. You're in a survival mode mentally. Right. Just change it. Let's play the same game this time, but this time focus on your breathing and make it nice and relaxed. And all of a sudden they start getting the game. And now the buy in's there. They understand the mental is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. It goes with the physical. We cannot separate it. And there's a way we can train it, not by forcing it, by shifting our attention. But we also need to increase our attention level and the parents level. Because I say, hey, your bed should be made one because the scouts will ask that question. Mm -hmm. They want to know your attention to detail. And if the scout really knows, this idea is that attention. If you sharpen your attention, that's what pros can do.
1: Yes. Yeah. Love it, man. Okay, running up against the clock here, but I got a couple big questions I wanna ask you. For starters, I just call this the big question, right? (laughs) And that is, if you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Brian Kozak one piece of advice, what would it be?
0: What I did, I already did it. So I find the people, the experts in what the field is, and learn how to operate this machine. This is the the most sophisticated sophisticated technology in the world. Yeah, even even more sold than my Apple iPhone. Yeah. yeah, if I could put an apple, eat it, and it turns into Brian Kozak,
1: <laughs>
0: the iPhone can't even do that. Wouldn't it be nice to put an apple in this thing and all of a sudden I get the next model?
1: Right, save right.
0: me a bunch of money and yeah. give me the new plugins too. <laughs> so the most important thing for me is figure out with these so called experts right it's hard to find those guys yeah but seek them out yep. seek them out ask questions always ask questions make sure it works out make sure they know what they're talking about yeah right that's the beauty of Aaron and Patrick and I we sit down man, and, and if I don't understand something I ask questions to the point that it'll bug them but they get better at explaining it yes and the whole goal is to figure out how this works how does this there's no owner's manual. Why not? You have an owner's manual for everything else. This phone, this computer, everything else. Why not for the most important, sophisticated technology in the world? For sure. Right. Even when I was going to, when I was going to be a, become a parent, I went down to the library. I get these five books. I bring them home. I'm pumped up. My, my best, he ended up being my best man. His sister was the librarian. Right. I'm getting home. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't This doesn't make sense to me. I look at the back of the book. The guys didn't even have kids. all five books, get on my bike, go back down there. I start talking with my buddies, uh, the librarian and she's like, yeah, I know. I said, but you got kids. Why don't you tell me? I got no pad right here. Yeah, exactly. Because I need not just the knowledge. I also need the experiential knowledge. Yes. So for me, how does this operate? Find out the people that have ideas and then go play, play, play. And that's the last part of it. It life is a play. Mm-hmm. If I'm creating tension, I'm not on my game. Yes. So how do I relax? I relax my breathing. Your best friends, your breathing. It's always with you. First thing you did when you came in this life, right? breathe. Yeah. The last
1: thing I'm going to do. Yeah. Exhale. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I love it, man. Okay. Last but not least, lightning round. Mm. So four fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. Number one. Number one. Career coaching highlight. One um, moment.
0: Right, right away I, I want to say these different national championships. I want it's not it. Okay. It's when an athlete it's when an athlete gets it. Yeah. When they get I love it, it. Yeah. that that they are the best coach. Once we give them the information and they can use the information, golden.
1: Yeah. I love it. Number two, talk to me about your time in India. That's super interesting.
0: Okay. Uh it was quite the challenge because of the age. We went over there, my wife and I at fifty. Okay. Okay. So we're going in where there's a lot of young people, and it's a super hard course. Like you have to memorize all these these word for word, but it's reversed. It's not like the English I know. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like French, you know, okay. the, the subjects in the back. It, it just so it was very difficult in that sense. And then you're doing, you know, six to eight hours of yoga every day. You have to learn all these different yoga techniques. But we also learn the physiology and all that stuff. But all this knowledge was coming at us and they ramp it up and make it more intense, right? But the energy I had, how I ate, how they taught me how to sit, how they gave me the operating manual for this. There's just mm-hmm. a few things they didn't have that we we've been mixing in and playing with. But they gave me the operating manual, how to breathe, how to sit, how to eat, how to sleep, how to get out of bed. Where should my head be when I go to sleep? All these little things and the reasoning behind it that we could go test it. Mm. The energy I had there, and it's still like this. Before, I would get up when I was playing junior hockey. I would get up for days of our lives around 1.30 (laughs) because 2 o'clock days of our lives on. Then YNR. then I go to practice. You know what I mean? (laughs) That was my day. I loved sleeping. Right? Now, when I went over there... Now when I had kids, it was sleeping was less, but still I like, I, you know, I got my six to eight hours over there I was sleeping two and a half to four, four was very rare, but two and a half to three and a half was probably the amount of sleep I had. No problem. That's amazing. No problem. Yeah. So what one of the bases I've learned was the amount of energy, either you're increasing it, Staying the same or decreasing it. How you think, every thought is energy. It's one of the most, the biggest leaks of energy we have. Unconscious thinking. Eating, digesting, number one, right? Just eat a big, huge meal, you want to go to sleep. Right. Right? Takes the blood. If you put moxies on your arm, your limbs, it takes the blood from your limbs to your, your
1: gut.
0: To digest to your yeah. stomach, right, to your gut. So energy is the key and everything comes down to energy. If you talk to Aaron, he'll bring it down to the the cell, the robust cell. That's where we go to and how we think of everything from that. So how, whatever I'm doing, how I'm thinking, how I'm eating, drinking, sleeping, whatever I'm doing, is it increasing or decreasing my energy? That's probably the most important thing. And we have ways of becoming very efficient in their environment for our athletes because every environment is different.
1: Yeah. I love it, man. Okay. Number three, this is also something we kind of talked about in our back and forth before the show, but what is the balance, the mental balance, mm. right? Between, or, or like, what is the ratio between mental and physical when it comes to high level sports?
0: I asked that question all the time and I put it in the same, same way. Uh, I just said, I'll say the coaches will say, What's the mental versus physical, and as it goes up, and I asked the athletes same thing. As it goes up to the pro level, Olympic level, they're like 90, 95 mental versus five to ten physical, because the, the athletes are pretty close. Do you know what yeah. I mean?
1: Yeah, they have. The so same what's kind the difference?
0: Yeah. So what's the difference in there, right? Why is there only a few tennis players that dominate tennis? Yeah.
1: Yes. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yes. So.
0: So and to beat those guys even as they age, like the, the top guys right now in tennis. Yeah.
1: They've been around for. They're old,
0: man. Yeah yeah. 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 And those, the young talent is unreal. Like sometimes they play, it's incredible. But when he gets against one of those guys, their mental game is. So to me there, it's all one. Yep. Right. But that's not good for me in the sense that I'm a coach. I need to break it down so I can train it. Yep. So for me, I always start with the mental. Yes, we look at how the person's walking everything. Everything is to get the mental and I'll explain it simply and quickly. When you come into our gym, we have an Omega wave. We put it on you. We're looking at a bunch of different things. We want to build a trend. We get you on the table that they're we're, we're building a picture, a base. Yeah. We get you breathing testing We're we have the Moxies If you are in a sport. We want to test it in that sport, ideally in a game. We're getting a picture, a base. Now, from that, we want to find out where can we improve this, yeah. right? Now, say it's just, it's not an athlete because we have, we have people that come in, they're not athletes, they're successful in their business, and they just want a better quality of life. So, we, re- we get their body back into place, we're giving them some breathing techniques. Now, they go back into their environment, and they're out again. <laughs> right. Now, that's a great business model, but that's not the model we want. We want them to teach them the skills that they don't have to come back. They're coming back to us now not to get in alignment because now, now they want to run a half a marathon or they want to get her stronger or something else. They want to improve their quality of life and those around them. So to do that, we got to get in there. Yeah, We got to give them skills so that they understand that what they thought was normal, chasing this all the time, that's not normal. And here's some skills where the mind actually can settle down a bit. And thoughts, especially negative, they're like clouds going by. There's just different techniques through the breath that we teach them. And then attach the breath to movement patterns and to training patterns. And it's in there. So no matter what environment they're in, they're the eye of the storm. Yeah. Good to go.
1: I love it. Okay, man. Last but not least, what's next for Brian Kozak? (laughs)
0: drinking some water after talking so much (laughs) (laughs) what's next for me is um i committed with evolve so with aaron and patrick and our coaches there to doing the we're figuring some things out you know just like jurg and i did way back when yeah uh, with all the technology and that we just upped that game so that we can We have the ability, no matter what situation we're in with with different people, athletes, that we can give them their own manual, their own skills, that they can have the best quality of life and performance. And that's it. So for for me, what I do for the company is I'm working on this breathing machine. Um, I also do some coaching, more of the the, we call it inner performance training. And then obviously Aaron and Patrick are doing their things and we're, and we're mentoring some coaches and i I'm also writing, and it's gonna be three books. So the first book is going to be on integrating technology into training, how to simply do it. Uh, the, just what we talked about today. And it's going to be based on hockey, but it's universal sports. Any acyclic sport could use that. And then it's going to go in more into the breathing mental. And then the third one's going to be a surprise.
1: Oh, I like it. I like surprises. (laughs) <laughs> well, Everyone loves a birthday surprise. That's right. Well, Brian, man, this has been awesome. I don't know how I've not connected with you before this, but can't. I'm gonna have to send send Andrew a thank you note or something. But man, where can my listeners find out more about you and like all the great stuff that you're doing?
0: Well, thanks for the kind words, Mike. It's been awesome. The the questions were awesome. Uh, for right now, evolvehp.life. Uh, okay, that's the best way. We're 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 just we're going to start marketing ourselves. We're not going to push it too much, but obviously with, with the new breathing machine, DNX and some, we, we do some seminars, um, okay. which I love doing those seminars. And we do some mentoring with coaches, uh, but we're just starting to ramp the stuff up, you know, with the book coming out and, and the new yep. breathing machine, DNX. And so, the best place evolve hp.life and then from there you can you can follow aaron or patrick or some of the young coaches they got some great ideas and then obviously myself so that's I love the best it. way
1: i love it i'll make sure i get uh, that link in the show notes and again thanks so much for your time man this was really great
0: mike we'll be talking soon thank love you it.
1: sir all right my friend that does it for this week's episode with brian kozak really hope you enjoyed it he's such an interesting guy to talk to I, mean, I love people that are really interested in drilling down and trying to figure out why things work the way they do or what are the true limiting factors. And just people that constantly ask that question why, 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 why? And, uh, you know, Cade loves to do that to me. He'll go, you know, why, why, why? And, you know, sometimes it's annoying, but if you really want to figure out why things work, you have to constantly ask that question of why. And you have to have this kind of insatiable thirst to continue to dig in and try and figure out why things are the way that they are. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I love talking about breathing, and I love Brian's thoughts. So if you enjoyed the episode, please do me one small favor. If you have not shared the show with somebody in the past, here's what I want you to do. Either this episode or you know maybe one of your favorite episodes. Just think about all the amazing people I've gotten to interview over the years. Eric Cressy. Bill Hartman, Stu McGill, uh, Joel Jameson, Lee Taft, uh, Joe Bighouse Kent. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We're talking about hundreds of amazing guests. Find your favorite episode and please share it with a friend. You guys now kind of know how this works. Like, I want to continue to help this industry grow and evolve. And my podcast is one way that we can do that. And we can continue to help our industry, whether it's trainers, coaches, or rehab professionals level up and get a little bit better each and every week. So if you got a favorite episode, whether it's this one or some other one, please share it with a friend and just let people know, hey, Mike is trying to do great work and give these really great professionals a platform so they can share their messages. So, all right, man, that does it for this week's episode. As always, love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for your support. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.